Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. The draft lottery happened last night. We, we know who has the number one overall pick now, but we're going to get to that later because we're going to recap the games first. Four games happened yesterday, four game twos. Starting with Heat Pacers, the Heat took a 2-0 lead in the series behind Duncan Robinson's 24 points on 7 of 8 shooting from 3. Jimmy Butler added 18 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Goran Dragic had 20. The Pacers played well. They just need the TJ Warren we saw in the seeding games to show up. He had just 14 points. I, I think Miami is a bad matchup for him. They have a lot of really good defenders, and Jimmy Butler is out to get him anyway. In the three games he's played against Miami, including the playoffs, he's averaging just 16 points a game. That's not helping, especially when you're down Sabonis already. They need more scoring from him if they want to make this a series. Rockets Thunder. It was it was pretty close through the first three quarters. In the fourth quarter, OKC was up 78-77 to start. They hit a shot to go up 80-77. But then Houston went on a 17-0 run. Without James Harden. Harden sat on the bench for that entire run. He did not have a great game. 21 points, 9 assists, 5 of 16 from the field, 2 of 11 from 3. But the Rockets' supporting cast, still without Russell Westbrook, was fantastic. Six other guys in double figures. Daniel House, 19. Eric Gordon, 15. Jeff Green, 15. P.J. Tucker, 14. Austin Rivers, 11. Robert Covington, 10. If this isn't comforting as a Rockets fan, I don't know what is. You're up 2-0. You're without Russ. And James Harden had a bad game and you still won against a very good OKC team. Harden had zero turnovers in 35 minutes of play yesterday. He's averaging six assists in this series. He only took 16 shots. He's being more of a point guard than we've seen in the past. With Russ out, he's creating for others at a higher level than we've seen from him before. And I think that's what's allowing... The Rockets to be successful. He's not being selfish on an off night and hoisting up 30 shots en route to a th- very inefficient 30 points. When he's got it going, he's got it going. He'll get his own drop 40, no issues. Other guys will get shots and Houston will probably win. When he doesn't, he's not forcing anything anymore. And yes, I know this is one game, but still, he's allowing others to step up. And they are. That's huge for Houston. This means that when Russ and Harden are back playing together. When Russ is back, who knows when that will be? We really don't know. Because at this point, you're up 2-0. You rest him as long as you don't need him. Which is probably the rest of the OKC series because you're up 2-0 without him anyway. But once Russ comes back and he and Harden are playing together, this means uh, that on the very, very off chance that both of them have a bad game, you still have a shot to win. OKC is very good. They're very underrated. There's a reason they're top four in the Western Conference. And the Rockets' defense, specifically from role players like House, Rivers, Green, Tucker, Covington, and Gordon are more than role players. But the Rockets' defense is what created a lot of that offense during the 17-0 run at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Lakers have a tough road. Once they get past the Blazers, assuming they will now, wondering how the Lillard injury will affect him. But they're going to have their hands full. I still think Houston beats LA in six, more likely seven games to get to the conference finals. I stand by that prediction. I am very confident in the way they're playing right now. Magic Bucks. The Bucks came back and made a statement, winning 111-96. Giannis 28 
and 20. 20 rebounds, that is. Chris Middleton had just two points the entire game. He played like 30 minutes and scored two points. But other guys stepped up. Brooke Lopez, 20 points. He was much improved from game one. Another Eric Bledsoe, 13 points, 7 assists. Pat Connaughton, 15 points, 11 rebounds off the bench. And Dante DiVincenzo, 11. So, good job stepping up for the Bucks supporting cast. For the Magic, Nikola Vucevic was still very good. 32 points, 10 rebounds. Four other guys in double figures. None of them had more than 12, though. And it's not enough to overcome Giannis. I think now that the Bucks have a win under their belt against this team, they're going to start rolling and finish out the series in five. Only because it's the Orlando Magic. However, assuming they'll match up with the Miami Heat in round two, I don't like their chances. We have been underestimating the Heat. Well, I have been underestimating the Miami Heat all year long. But Giannis is going to bring it every night. We know that. Soon to be back-to-back MVP. He'll, he'll put up numbers. He's putting up 29-18 per game against Orlando. We can count on him to perform. But who's their number two guy? It should be Chris Middleton, but I don't like what I'm seeing from him. The fact of the matter is he had 14 points in game one. He only had two yesterday. He's, a, he's averaging eight points a game this series, and that's not going to get it done. Middleton has to have his regular season average of 20 points a game to at least survive the heat because the Bucks don't have any other scorers. Brooke Lopez can knock down shots. He, he had one game in the bubble with like 34 points or whatever, but no one else besides those two are scorers, those two meaning Middleton and Giannis. There's a difference between a shooter and a scorer. The Bucks have, or are supposed to have, two scorers. They have shooters, Lopez, Matthews, George Hill, Kyle Korver. I think Eric Bledsoe will be an X-factor for them. He has the capabilities of a scorer, but we haven't seen that since his days in Phoenix. I wonder if he's going to step it up. Because right now they're going to need it, especially if Middleton isn't playing well. And I don't know if he will flip. I don't know if he'll flip the switch. I don't know what to expect from expect from him. He's played well in the playoffs, but he's kind of hot and cold. He's had a few thirty point games, but he's also been in the single digits more than a few times, as well as an average fifteen to twenty more often. But we saw it with both LA teams. What happened? Their second star, the second star, determined the outcome of the game. Right? Paul George performed well in Game One. The Clippers won. George struggled to shoot the ball in Game Two, just fourteen points. Clippers lose. Davis puts up 28 with a ton of free throws in game one. Lakers lose. Davis puts up 31 in tw- uh, on 21 shots. And the Lakers win game two. So we see the pattern in terms of how crucial the second star performing is to the team's success. And I think that's what the Bucks need from Chris Middleton. Actually, I know that's what the Bucks need from Chris Middleton if they want to beat the Heat, who are playing really well right now against another underrated Pacers team, even without Sabonis. Lakers Blazers, after 3,016 days, for the first time since May 18th, 2012, the Los Angeles Lakers won a playoff game. That is just crazy to think about. 3,000 days since they won a playoff game. All the history of this franchise... And they go 3,000 days without winning a playoff game. Anyway, they beat Portland 111-88. to The Lakers, they finally looked good. They dominated. As great as their offense looked, their defense was even better. Portland only scored 88 points. They were the highest scoring team in the bubble coming in. They defended Damian Lillard on pick and rolls very, very well. They did not give him as much space to shoot 35-40 footers. They held Portland to 40% 40 from the field, 27% from three. 
Their leading scorer was Lillard, who had just 18. He left in the third quarter. He dislocated his left index finger. But he says he's going to play in Game 3. However, that's something we should keep an eye on because that may affect him. It could, it, it could affect how he handles the ball, catches the ball, even how he releases it, even though it is his left hand. So that could hurt his offensive production. They're going to need a lot of help on offense tomorrow. Anthony Davis. I said it wasn't about what he does. It's about how he does it. 31 points, 11 rebounds, 13 of 21 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. He played the game they needed him to. If he plays like that, they can win almost any game they play. Especially if LeBron has a better performance. He had just 10 points. He was not his best self, but that's why Anthony Davis is there to pick up the slack. Contavious Caldwell-Pope shot much better this game. 16 points, 4 of 6 from 3. Danny Green still struggled, 3 points, 1 of 6. J.R. Smith got a lot of garbage minutes because this was a blowout soon after the second half started. He scored 11 points in 21 minutes. I'm telling you, he's a shot maker. He's got to play more. But overall, I was happy with the way the Lakers played. It was very encouraging if you're a Lakers fan. Okay, draft lottery time. Let's see how the picks turned out. The Boston Celtics get the 14th pick. Wait, they're in the playoffs. Yes, they are, but they get it from Memphis. I forget what deal it was, but they have the 14th pick from Memphis. The Pelicans, not as lucky this year. They get pick number 13. The Kings get the 12th pick. The 11th pick goes to the Spurs. This is the first time we've seen the Spurs in the lottery for in, what is it, 22 years now? Based on their performance, not trades and stuff, but it's just weird to see the Spurs having a top 14 pick. The Suns get the 10th pick. The Wizards, the Suns get a top 10 pick after going 8-0 in the bubble. That's That could be worth something. The Wizards have the 9th pick. The New York Knicks got the 8th pick. They couldn't even get top 5. Not top 3. Not even top 7. They got the 8th pick. The Pistons... Got the seventh pick, the Hawks, number six, Cavs, five, Bulls, four, and here are the top three, the Charlotte Hornets. Number two, the Golden State Warriors. And number one, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves have the number one overall pick in this year's draft. That was interesting. I really like the new draft lottery odds. It's less predictable, which which makes it more fun. If I'm the Timberwolves, I'm taking Anthony Edwards from Georgia with the number one overall pick. Everybody is saying LaMelo Ball is the best prospect. He's a point guard with a broken jump shot. He shot 37%. This is not just based on his form. He shot 37% from the field, 25% from three when he played pro ball in Australia this past year. And your point guard, your who you're drafting to be, your future franchise point guard... Unless he's Russell Westbrook athletically, which no one is, has to be able to shoot. I don't think he does anything better than his brother Lonzo. He his jump shot is Lonzo's jump shot is better than Lamelo's, but we saw in LA when he wasn't knock, knocking down shots, it didn't go well for him. He was he was traded. <laughs> And now he's playing nowhere near the level of a number two pick. But Anthony Edwards, he has an NBA-ready body. He's 6'5", 225, seven-foot wingspan almost. That length and strength is really going to help him on the defensive end. He's a three-level scorer. Now his shot selection took his percentages down a little bit. 
But if he's smarter in that regard, his shot making potential is incredibly high. Very similar to James Harden, not just in his build, but his but in his ability to get his own shot, stop and start on a dime, and his step back is lethal. That's how he gets a lot of his long range shots off. He has a really good step back jump shot. And you combine that with his ability to drive and finish, and it makes him that much harder to guard. I like him paired with D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt. Edwards' handle isn't great, but Russell can run the point, have Edwards off ball. That's a lethal scoring backcourt, potentially. Combined with Carl Anthony Towns in the middle, I think the best thing Minnesota can do is take Edwards, work on his handle and decision-making, and they could have a big they could have a big three sooner rather than later. I say the Warriors take Wiseman at two. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Golden State will look to use this pick as a trade asset, get a proven star probably. And unfortunately, probably make another title run if everybody is healthy. I I honestly expect them to get rid of the pick. But if they keep it, unless they're drafting for someone else, if they're drafting for themselves, they don't need another guard. If Minnesota takes LaMelo number one overall, they don't need Anthony Edwards. If Minnesota takes Anthony Edwards number one overall, they don't need LaMelo Ball. They don't need another guard. Wiseman is the perfect modern day big. Seven foot, great footwork in the post. His seven six wingspan gives him the ability to become an elite rim protector at the next level. And the one spot Golden State hasn't had talent at during their title runs, excluding DeMarcus Cousins, but even then he wasn't the same after his Achilles tear. It's the center position. They've had guys like Andrew Bogut, Zaza Pachulia, Willie Cauley Stein. I mean, they've lacked talent there. And that's why they went small ball with Draymond at the five. But adding Wiseman could be huge for them. I think it's a no-brainer at number two that Golden, ta- uh, Golden State takes Wiseman. Now, I don't know what the Hornets are thinking in terms of drafting LaMelo because they already paid Terry Rozier $58 million, which is what they should pay Devontae Graham after the jump he made from this, his first to second year. But maybe they bring Rozier off the bench, draft Ball, or bring Ball off the bench. I don't know. That'd be a crowded backcourt. Maybe they take Obi Toppin to combine with Washington and Bridges in the front court. I don't know why, but I just get the feeling, and I feel bad for saying this, but I get the feeling that Obi Toppin is going to be the prospect that dominates college and then flops in the NBA. I've had that feeling for a while now, and I can't tell you what sparked that feeling in me. It's just what comes to mind when I see him listed as a top prospect. My guess is the T-Wolves will make, or excuse me, take LaMelo or Edwards number one overall. They should take Edwards. The Warriors take Wiseman at two regardless if they keep the pick because they don't need another guard. And they already have Andrew Wiggins, too, at a small forward. And then probably ball to Charlotte at three. This is this is one of the draft classes I am least informed about. I have least been informed about in the past four or five years. Like, I really don't know a lot of the top prospects and what's going to happen. I know the top three. I know Toppin. I know guys like Cole Anthony, Onyeka Okongwu. But... Like this kid from Israel, I don't even know how to say his name, Denny Avdiha. I probably butchered that, sorry. But I know a little bit about Isaac Okoro from Auburn. He's he's a good defender. But other guys like Killian Hayes, the point guard from France, Tyrese Halliburton, Halliburton from Iowa State, Devin Vassell from Florida State, his teammate Pat- Patrick Williams. I mean, I have some research to do in order to get a mock draft out uh, or a mock draft put together. There's a lot of guys I don't know about. But 
that makes the draft more unpredictable and exciting. So we'll see what happens. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, nothing significant happens. Surprise, surprise. Happy birthday to the legend, Wilt Chamberlain. We will be back tomorrow with another podcast.